Good morning. Let's stand up and worship the Lord here today. Welcome to Haven Community Church, everyone.
Faithfulness, O oh God, you wrestle with the sinner's heart. You lead us by still waters and dews, and nothing can keep us apart. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. Here's here. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Oh. Great is your love and justice, God. You use the weak to lead the strong. You lead us in the song of your salvation. And let's hear this verse. And all your people sing along. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. Your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for me. So remember your people. Remember your children. Remember your promise, oh God. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for me. Yeah, your grace is enough. Heaven's reaching down to us. Your grace. 
We just thank you that your grace is, a night, is enough for whatever we have going on. And God, today, we just give you praise for who you are. We ask for your Holy Spirit to just move in this place in a mighty way. And we give you praise. And everybody together say, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Say hi to somebody next to you. And our kids can go ahead to our Haven Kids. guys are really getting good. They can hear us in town. It's all good. What a beautiful day. Can I stop talking? <laughs> anyway, um, I just want to thank everybody for prayers for me this week. I know you didn't make it. Those of you that make a month pass said, wow, we just don't talk. And I'm back. Didn't feel real good, but I'm back and I'm full of it. So they say my eyes are brown for a reason. Um, I'm sorry, I did not say that out loud. Good morning. <laughs> okay, now y'all know how good I'm feeling. 
Uh, we got a long list of loving to give out today, okay? And we are going to share it. Sandra Frederick is back. She scared me to death. She went here for a couple weeks due to the weather. Um, her son, Ed, who had the sepsis, was able to have surgery, and he is doing well. So we really want to pray for him. That's a, that's a tough road. Um, and Mr. Ernie wasn't here last week, so I had nobody to pick on. But he was in the hospital instead, dealing with some kidney issues, some hi hypertension issues, little issues. Uh, but we're going to keep praying for him and get him healthy and keep him here. Um, Debbie's healing. I could hit her in the jaw today, and she didn't cry, so it's all good, I think. Um, Holly has asked us to lift in prayer her dad, to continue to pray for him. And a friend lost her father, so we'll pray for your friend. And also that you find the right car. Good luck. I'm a Jeep Liberty girl, so I thought. But anyway. Lisa Bailey, we're going to lift your mom and heal. Oh, Lisa Bailey, you. Where's Waldo? Uh, Where's Lisa? Her mom needs healing and strength. Okay, she's got some things going on. But also on my list, I have Lisa for her to repair and to get all the way better. Okay? Um, Patty and Dale, just so good to see you, Dale. And don't squeeze him too hard. He has a whole line of those staples down his back. I've never seen anything like it. Looks like B&O Railroad. Um, so don't squeeze him too hard, but we're glad he's back. Um, and he, he wanted to thank all of us for our prayers over the last few months because we have continued to pray. Um, I mailed a card. You should get it this week. <laughs> you know that card ministry thing? I'm the last one. I, I'm just always slow. Um, and his, his back surgery was successful. And now we're um, dealing with a few other little, you know, after surgery kind of things. But we're going to get rid of those too. Okay. Um, Donna, her mom had a fall this week, broke her femur. She went to the hospital, had surgery, and is now starting rehab. And the only thing I know about a femur injury is it takes a while to heal. Okay, so let's keep praying for her. Jen Cummings had her surgery, and she's still healing. Not feeling 100% up to par, but she's healing. Um, Sarah started her rounds of physical therapy to get that strength back up. So she's kicking butt and coming back up here in church. Can't wait to see her. Um, Judy Music, she had eye surgery. Where are you, girl? You can see me now. It, <laughs> and her surgery was a success. Um, my sister-in-law, Kathy, if, out there, if you're out there, um, really concerned she's having some uh, testing for possible reoccurrence of cancer. So... I really want to lift her in prayer because um, cancer is no fun. Um, I also want to lift Jenny, Sue, Liz, and all the others that are out there listening that are asking for healing. We know that uh, we want to get you healed. And Judy's uncle, Gary Barton, has found out he has cancer, and uh, they're going to enjoy the days that they have with him still. So, um, Praises. Holy moly, I guess I didn't do any. Praises that we're here and that we can pray for these people and pray for healing. And Patty's over there giggling at me because today's her birthday. Um, anyway, let's go to God. Let's put our hands down. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, 
thank you for this beautiful day. No rain. Thank, <laughs> thank you for this group of amazing, amazing people. I look out here, this church is full. It is full of life, love, and family. Jack has done an amazing job. We are growing in leaps and bounds, and that's what we're here for is to bring others to Jesus. Because when our time comes and heaven opens those doors, Haven Community Church is going to go roaring in. We are going to be full in that house, and I believe that with all my heart. I pray for those who are struggling with COVID that are homebound right now. I pray for those that are emotionally, mentally, financially, or physically challenged and fighting things right now. Continue your fight. Give it to God. All of these things I lift to God in prayer, and I pray for Jack and his message today as he's going to tell me I can't worry anymore, but that's okay. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety, ADD or ADHD. We cannot avoid the topic of mental illness. What does this mean for those of us who are born again, blood-washed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and yet live in this real world where people have real problems and real difficulties? You have to face it somewhere. So even if you want to avoid the subject here, you have to ask the question, what are we as Christians supposed to do? So what do we do? All right, how we doing? Good stuff, okay. Good to see you, everyone. I know there's a couple others in here who may not put a prayer request in, but I do know that there's others who have family members and, uh, and some who have had um, negative for us news um, about um, their, their uh, timely death coming uh, quicker than they thought. So we want to lift up those um, people in our church family and others that God knows who they are, so just kind of lift them up. Um, for others and, um, and everything else. Also, you can see that um, I know uh, Grief Share is going on, and we want to go ahead, and you're more than welcome to join that. That's a great, a great uh, thing that we have there. Lots of other things. We're in the New Testament now, I think, because I've been away a little bit. Ron's covered. And then we have weather um, and all that other kind of stuff. And that, that uh, Paxitani, he didn't see his shadow, right? Which that doesn't mean absolutely anything, right? It means absolutely nothing. Because um, I don't even remember. No, anybody keep score of that? I have no clue. I just know it's cold um, and all that. And one thing I didn't get to share last week, but we've been celebrating Melissa's 25th birthday for the second time. Um, and um, and uh, I think Melissa Palooza is coming to an end this year because we've, we've enjoyed celebrating uh, that milestone. So we had a good time there and all that kind of good stuff. But how you doing? All right, good. Uh, I was waiting for Patty. All right. So we are in uh, week four of our series. We are talking our series. There's a bulletin there if you want to go ahead. Um, if you got the paper one, you're good. If you want a digital one, because that's who you are, take out your smartphone, go ahead and do that. 
Also behind you, um, if you're not in the first row or right in front of you in every other row, there is a, a little thing that's a QR code. Take out your camera, you can hit that. And that um, is access to our church app. One of the things that's good for too is if you didn't, if you had a prayer request that you needed to fill out, you can do that right through there. It gives you all kinds of information and all kinds of other ways to connect. So I want you to go ahead and do that. But that would be the, the bulletin here if you need it. So today we're going to talk about, I, need, I have a question. How many of you are worried? How many of you are worried about anything in the world, like anything at all, all right? How many of you are too worried that you don't even want to raise your hand? Um, but a lot of us got worries. Like some of us may have an ongoing weight or a burden that's in us that might be, you may be worried about somebody that you love and care about. There may be somebody that you, you really care about. Um, or there may be something that you care about, some concept, some, something, and you're worried about that. Or you... Um, you may be worried about something that you want to change, but you can't figure out how to change it. And it seems like this, there's this heavy weight that's on you or this thing that's just sitting with you nonstop. And you can't figure out how to get it to change. You can't figure out. It's always present with you. And it's a worry. It's a concern that you have. And I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever walked out of a bathroom and just kind of snuck out the door flush with your toilet because you didn't want to catch anything because you're worried about what you would catch in there. And you all are laughing because you've all done it, right? Um, but um, and that's probably smart. But, um, you know, today I want to talk about one of the biggest uh, mental health issues and problems in our world today, particularly in our country. And we're talking about worry. And worry is universal. Um, worries have been around forever and ever and ever. And it's so big and so common that it's often overlooked even as, as being a mental health um, issue. It's often ignored. Oh, they're just worried. They're, they're, they're in that stuff. But according to the World Health Organizations, Americans have the biggest problem with worry than any other country in the world. Congratulations, we won. Um, and, you know, uh, the mo so think about this. The most or one of the top uh, affluent societies in the entire world is also the most worried-filled society in the world. Think about that. The ones that per capita have the most wealth, the most affluence, are also the most worried. And so for many of us, it's natural to worry that we have this battle. It's chronic. We worry about everything. Um, it's ever-present. It's ongoing. And the thing is, it's poisoning our peace. We never have peace because once we stop worrying about something else, we start worrying about something else. And then it's also stunning, in many ways, our spiritual growth. Um, I, I read a lot about preparing for this uh, series, and I read as much as I could, and one author who was not a Christian, actually, um, he was a secular author, and he actually said this that I thought was really awesome. He said, worrying is like prayer in reverse. Worrying is like prayer in reverse. And I love it because it's true, because prayer generally makes the issue smaller, and worrying makes it larger and bigger. Barna Research Center, many people have heard of Barna, but Barna says about 60% of adults in the U.S. struggle with worry and stress daily. That's over half. So that means if you're in the normal percentage, that means that half of you right now in this room are struggling with the fact that I'm giving a message on worrying, um, and, and you're having a lot of problems worrying and not focusing on the message. But many of us, have, like I said, have some weight or some burden or something, and it's always present before us. And many of us, there are many of us that we know we live in a constant state of worry. I'd say if, if I ask a question, ask you to raise your hand, if you know, if you or you know somebody who worries a lot, everybody here knows probably about 10 or 15, 20, maybe 100 people um, that worry a lot. So why is it that we find so many of us that are filled or battling with worry? And I want to try to unpack that today. And 
I, I think in some ways um, we, we can look at this. But I, I can prove to you that many of us worry. For instance, if you're awake some night at 3 a.m., I can almost promise you you're not up counting your blessings. You're not going, oh, wow, I'm so blessed. I just can't go to sleep because I'm so blessed. Uh, I just got, oh, this is so awesome. Enjoy. I got so much peace and joy in my life, I'm not going to go to sleep. I, not many of us do that. You're probably worried about your kids or some health issue um, or somebody that you love or job stress or how you're going to take care of your aging parents and declining health. Or you may be worried about even like the real big things in the world, like you're worried about terrorism and wars, about racism and division, or you're worried about politics and elections, or the price of eggs and gas. It might be something like that as well. You're worried about things that at some level. And we live in a culture where worry is actually so commonly accepted as part of life. And since we're doing this series on mental health, I wanted to do this. And we talked the other week about anxiety. And some of you would say, well, Jack, if we already talked about anxiety, isn't worry and anxiety, aren't they the same thing? Yes, they're actually related, but no, they're not the same thing. And so what's the difference? They overlap in a way, um, and this may be an oversimplification, but here's the distinction. We, when we think about worry, with worry, we tend, it, it, we tend to experience worry in our minds. Okay, we, expend, we, we think about things, and we worry, and we, we mull them around. Often, often wor- and worry is like a co- contributor of anxiety, um, that we think about something over and over and over and over again. And have you ever sat down and talked with somebody about an issue that you have, something that you're worried about? You talk to them, and after you talk to them, you feel good, and as soon as they leave and you go do something else, then all of a sudden you start worrying again. Anybody ever done that in life? That's, that's part of what worry does. We take it around and around. And we generally experience anxiety in our body. So anxiety kind of fills a lot of different areas. Worry may be specific to the brain, but anxiety tends to flow it's, it's more all-inclusive. So, for instance, I'll give you an example. You, uh, anybody ever flown before? Anybody ever had an early morning flight? Okay, you may worry that you're going to miss a flight. Anybody ever done that and you've run through the airport? Okay, um, so you, may, you don't want to miss a flight, so you're really worried, and you don't sleep that night. I never sleep in those early ones, and you're like, I got to get there. You have everything packed, and you get tired, but you're like, no, I'm not going to sleep. I'll sleep on the plane as long as we get there, and you want to make sure everybody's ready to go. And if you're like me, my, my family will tell you I'm absolutely insane to get through TSA. I want to get through that. Once we're through that, go to the whatever bathroom, whatever thing you want. Let's just get through there, okay? That's, that's me. I, I want, don't want to miss that plane. Um, but... If you're anxious about traveling, is anybody anxious about traveling that you, I knew, I knew somebody that um, they traveled all over the place, but they hated takeoff and landing. And they would literally claw the person next to them, even if they didn't know them. So you hope you got a different, uh, they claw their arm like this. But um, worry is specific. You can worry about that before, but anxiety, you start to get off the plane. You're like, please get off the air. Please get off. Oh, please land. You know, we do, we do those things. So that's the difference that I'm talking about in there. And Jesus tells us, in fact, here's what he says to us. He says, you should not worry. So look at the person that said, Jesus said, don't worry. All right, everybody good now? I can close up and say amen and move on. Um, If it was that easy. Multiple times in Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to be today, um, Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. And what's really interesting is Jesus gives five, and I threw in another one. Um, There's about six things, six of the main things that we worry about that Jesus covers. And I'm going to give them to you up here. Um, The first thing that Jesus tells us is don't worry about your finances, your money. Don't worry about that. 
The second thing that he tells us is don't worry about your food. Okay? Then he says, don't worry about your fitness that's your, or your health. And then he says, don't worry about your fashion. Some people are really good at that if you've been out and around lately, all right? Um, but don't worry about your future. And then I'm going to throw this other one in here. Don't worry about flock and folk, okay? Just hold on there. You're like, what in the heck are you talking about? So we got fitness, food, oh, excuse me, finances, food, fitness, fashion, future, and flock and folk, okay? And so pastors get bonus points for making all those march, match with F, all right? You know how many uh, synonyms I had to go through? Okay. Anyway, I work hard on this stuff. I hope you appreciate it, all right? Um, but, but Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 25. He said, therefore I tell you, what? Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. And then let me give you some context because before Jesus really said do not worry here, he had talked about it a little bit, but he's, he's giving a list of certain things. And right before this, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, he said, you cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, do not worry. And I've always told you several times when you see therefore, you got to find out what it's there for. So he says, hey, you can't serve God and money. And he says, so guess what? Therefore, don't worry about it. Don't worry about those things. It kind of connects with, um, with 1 Timothy 6. If you look at 1 Timothy 6, there's a lot of discussion about some of these same things that the early church is having problems with. And we know the one that is most misquoted. A lot of people misquote it all the time and say that uh, in uh, verse 9 of, of Timothy, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, that they say the love uh, they say money is the root of all evil, but it's actually the lust, the, the desire, the quest for that. And that's what Jesus is saying. You can't serve, you can't lust after and, and desire both God and money because you're going to have one of them is going to be your God and it's going to leave you worried um, if you follow after money. Uh, then in, again in 625, he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or drink. What he's talking about here is food. That's the second one. And Jesus is saying this to a particular crowd at the time who had lost, many of them who had lost everything. Many of them had lost under the Roman taxation system that they didn't have a home, they didn't have food. These are some of the same people that Jesus took the loaves and fish and fed the 5,000 men plus women and children. Could have been up to 15,000 people that he fed from that. And so for him to say to a group of people who don't know where their next meal is coming from, hey, don't worry about money, which the Roman government's taken from you, and don't worry about your, what you're going to eat. And they are hitting some of the main things that they're dealing with. On top of that, he, he continues on further, and, um, and what Jesus is really saying is stop. He's not saying don't, these things are, are, are just dumb to think about. He's saying think about them. Don't get obsessed by them because worry causes us to be obsessed by something. And he says quit obsessing on that which is temporary, and focus on that which is eternal. Again, in this verse, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life or about your body. Everybody say amen. amen. That's a good one. I like that one. But he's saying fitness. He's saying health. Now, again, these things are good to address, but not to get so focused on it. Again, the body is temporary, and he wants us to focus on the eternal, which is the soul. The Apostle Paul actually said, physical fitness has some value. He said, that's good to keep in shape. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You should take care of that. All these things you need to take care of and you need to address. Just don't get obsessed and focused by it. Also, he then continues and says, 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will wear. Fashion. Anybody know anybody who's obsessed with fashion? Anybody? I mean, I, I, I've watched those shows. I've watched Project Runway. Anybody watch that? You know, like, boom. I mean, nobody ever like, hey, look at my soul. My soul's walking down the runway. Nobody's ever done that before. Now, again, clothing is something you should think about, correct? Some people don't, right? We, the, some people don't have mirrors, I think. I'm going to be a mirror salesman. But, um, but what, I'm, what I'm saying is don't be so obsessed by it that it controls you. It, so many people are so worried about, and, and the reason why a lot of people are worried about fashion and, and what they're going to wear is because they often are dressing for other people. They want to know what other people, uh, they, they want to have the perfect image on social media, or um, uh, you may have had these discussions. Oh my gosh, I, she has the same dress as I do. Yeah, they sell a whole bunch of them, right? Um, and, and then, um, do you like this outfit? Do you, do you like this outfit or this outfit? Guys, you're going to lose right away, all right? You're going to lose. Just say, I, I don't know. But, but it's, do you like this or you like that? Do you like this or like that? And what if you don't, do you ever, you ever honestly say, I don't like either? Or, or, or I like them. If you say you like both, that's just like saying you don't like either, right? Um, or do you like these shoes or those shoes? Or how do you like my hair? Um, how do I look? Does this make my butt look too big? I mean, that kind of thing. What's the answer to that? If you say yes, because it might be, somebody might want it to be, then you're like, good. But if you say no, I'm, you're going to lose, right? You're going to lose in all these things. I don't know what the answer to that is. And if some, but what I'm saying is if some of us spent as much time thinking about God and the things of God as we do our wardrobe, it may just change the, direct, the trajectory of our whole entire lives. And Jesus says, don't worry about these things that don't last. He then continues and says, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. In verse 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Why? Because tomorrow has enough worry in itself. You ever like worry about tomorrow and then you get there and then some other stuff to worry about in tomorrow? Or somebody says something to you that creates more worry to the deal? Anybody ever been here? Anybody have the same connections I do, all right, in life? And what, what he's saying is it's good to th- focus on your future. It's good to say, hey, to have a plan. It's not good to just say, Mm, I woke up today. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe a job will fall my way. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll get out of bed. No, you should have a plan, but don't obsess by it and let it control you. Some people are so, so controlled by the future, like things like the economy. They'll say, you know, every 10 years, I've seen the market crashes and we're right at that 10-year mark. Or they'll say education. If I don't get into that school, then I'm going to have the wrong degree, and then I'm going to meet the wrong person, and then I'm going to fall in love with the wrong person. Oh, my gosh. And love, should, if, if I ever marry and have kids, do I, do, I, do I just settle for someone? I don't want to settle for someone. But uh, if I get married, do I have to get married because I'm supposed to? I don't. Oh, my gosh, my future. I just want to go back to being a little kid, right? We, we go through things. Or job. I've got to have the perfect job, or I need a job, or I don't want this job, or I'm going to be stuck in this job forever. Will, will I have my job tomorrow? I don't know, but let's go back to the economy. And you're running around and around and around, and we're just driving ourselves absolutely insane. And then we start to go, oh my gosh, look, my hair's thinner than it used to be, I'm, and I'm only 22. I'm going to be bald by the time I'm 23, right? Uh, but then somebody says, that's okay, it's in style. And you're like, okay, you know, and we just worry and worry and worry so much. And Jesus says, don't. Easy, right? But he gives us one other thing, and this is another thing. He says, look at the birds of the air. 
Look at the birds there. They do not reap or sow or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? I put here flock and folk because I could have gone on and put, he then says, look at the flowers and all the other kind of stuff, goes back to clothes. But one of the things I wanted to focus on is a lot of times we focus on others. We focus on other stuff. We focus on, look at that, and then we, oh, look at them, and, and look at these people, and oh, oh my gosh, look at the bird. I wish I could fly. And You know, whatever else we do, we get so caught up in stuff that we worry about. I know people that have worried so much more about animals than they have other people, and that's fine. That's great. Animals are great. That's all. What I'm saying is all this list of things is good to think about, but not to get obsessed and worried. That's what Jesus is saying. Because why not worry? Why not worry? Because when we worry, what have we done? We've sort of cleared out all the other arenas in our life and all the other issues of life, and we focused in our attention in on one thing or a few things. Am I going to get into that school? Am I going to pass the bar? Am I going to pass an exam? Is she going to call me back? Are they going to to keep me in the company? Is my company going to survive at all? And we get so hyper-focused on one thing that it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and is the only thing that we can think about in our minds. And we're totally distracted by something we can't, in most cases, do anything about. And I love that Jesus, knowing all this 2,000 plus years ago, wrote it as if he was writing for us today to address worry. And he doesn't just tell us what to do. Yes, he says, do not worry. But he gives us a practical examples and practical things to let us know. He actually gives a solution that I'm going to give to you. Um, but I don't know about you. Sometimes, for me, I just feel compelled to worry about something. Does anybody? Like, you, there's something happens and you just feel compelled and focused to worry. Like, I just... you. You try, and then you say, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry about this. And what do you do? You worry. And the more you say, I'm not going to worry about it, the more you do worry about it. And it happens all the time. And the thing that Jesus does, he gives us a solution. He gives us something that, that, um, which is so helpful that other, uh, every other place has not given us. And I'm not going to give you the answer to that right now. But let's look back at um, Matthew 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asked a question. He said, aren't you more valuable than the birds? Jesus is showing us something that's very important, that God loves you more than the birds. Look at the person next to you and say, God loves you more than the birds. God obviously loves us more than the ravens and the eagles, right? You know what I mean? But um, God loves you more than the birds, right? God loves you more than the birds of the air. And you say, okay, well, I got that. But, you know, one of the things we got to recognize is if a bird is hungry, it doesn't just sit there and wait for God. It does something. And, and so what this illustrates is the difference between concern and worry. And, cons- and so what's the difference between those two? Concern focuses on challenges and moves you to action. Okay, if I'm concerned about someone, if I'm concerned about a situation, if I'm concerned about anything, then I've, I've got that concern here, and it's a challenge, and it moves me to action. I'm going to do something. I'm going to call someone. I'm going to speak to someone. I'm going to pray for someone. Whatever it may be, that's what I'm going to do. And an example may be that you think your relationship or your marriage or your friendship or your, fam- your family relationship is struggling, and so you decide, hey... Okay, that's a concern. It's how I feel. So we need to get some help. We need to get some counseling. We need to go ahead and, and talk to somebody, or we need to talk to each other. Well, it, so there's a concern and a challenge that moves me to action. Um, 
the other thing is, uh, you may say, hey, oh my gosh, it's winter months, and after the holidays, I have gained 15 pounds, 20 pounds, 50 pounds, 100 pounds, whatever it may be. So you decided to cut back on soda. Your action is you decided to cut back on sodas and sweets or change your eating patterns. Concern focuses on challenge, and it moves you to action. Now, worry focuses on what's beyond our control and results in inaction. It's doing without doing. We just sit around and go, oh, I can't do anything. And what, what Jesus said, he asked this great question in verse 27. And it's something we, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Give me the answer to that. Can you? Actually, studies show that you actually take your life away. That worrying does so much to your body because it creates anxiety. And it, create, and it actually helps create a lot of other things. Because remember, we're thinking about the renewing the patterns of our mind. And when we're worrying, we're actually causing all kinds of other health issues that occur here. So it actually can take away our life. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not how this works. It doesn't work by you, um, by you going ahead and, and doing that. It actually robs you of your life more and more. So, so when we, we do this, when you worry, nothing gets better, but your mental health actually gets worse, and the rest of your health gets worse. And so let's go back to the birds, for example. Birds don't worry. I have never seen a bird worrying in my life. They, they don't just, like, like I said, wait for God. You know, wait, eat some food, drop something, tweet, tweet. You know, God, what are you doing? And they're not, they're not walking around. What does a bird do? A bird, if it's hungry, gets up, and it flies around, leaves the nest, flies around, and it's looking around, kind of soars a little bit, tweet, 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 fly, 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 soar, 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 sees a worm, and what does it do? Whoom, dives down, pulls it up, gets the worm, and if it's got little ones, takes it home. If not, it's like, eats, eats the worm. Got it? And then what does the bird do? Flies around some more, flap, 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 tweet, 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 soar, 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 boom, down, picks it up, eats it, goes on. Correct. Did I do good there? All right. Okay. I left the feathers um, at home. But you never hear chirp, chirp, chirp at 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. Chirp, chirp. I'm hungry. Chirp, 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 chirp. God, where are you? Chirpy, chirp, chirp, chirp. Packed away in its little nest, pacing a little back and forth. Chirp, chirp. What am I going to do about tomorrow? Chirp, chirp, chirp. Chirp, chirp, flap, 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 chirp, chirp, right? You never hear that. It, it's never saying, oh, my gosh, it, the supply chain of worms is probably down. I'm never going to get another one. I'm going to be, and there's so many birds around. We're never going to get this. I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? Oh, now I have new eggs, and they're going to have to raise a family. Oh, my gosh, I need more worms, right? You never see a bird worrying. Has anybody ever seen a worrying bird? No. I have never seen it. Why? Because the bird knows that God provides right? It seems easy, doesn't it? And guess what? God loves you more than birds. You don't get anything else, just God loves you more than birds. It's, and God, if God is going to take care of the birds, that's what Jesus is saying. If God takes care of the birds, and look at how clothed the, the grass of the field is. If God cares so much about that, he gave his son for you, and he cares more about you. So if they ain't worrying, in the pecking order, they should really worry, but they're not because God loves you so much, and he knows that we're taking care of. So what we're doing is, when we're actually worrying, essentially we're saying, God, I don't trust you, and I don't trust your plan. 
I don't trust in your provision. I don't really believe that you're with me. I don't really believe that you love me and you want to provide for me that good. And and I'm not judging anybody because I've been awake at 2 and 3 in the morning worried about something. And I'm not up there just sitting there doing the old Bing Crosby song, uh, counting my blessings from, you know, White Christmas. I'm not up there doing that. I'm worried about something. Something's on my mind. And it's always, it's always something I have no control over. Always. And so I want you to think for a second. What about you? What do you worry about the most? What do you worry about the most? Because what you worry about the most reveals where we trust God the least when we think about that. And if you take a moment just to think, what is it for me that I worry the most about? What is it? And be specific. Don't just say family. Don't just say the world. Like, be specific. What is it that keeps you up at 2 a.m.? What is it that in the middle of the day just has you so concerned you can barely even focus because it's just consuming your thoughts and your life? Some online might right, right now say, hey, I want to I write it down. Some of you, I would say, write it down for you and name it. I'm worried about my relationship. I'm worried about my child. I'm wor- uh, I've got this thing going on in my body, and I have these tests, and I don't know what it is, and I've got to go see the doctor. I'm worried about losing my job. I'm, I, I've got some kind, I'm worried about my personal insecurity. I just feel like I'm not going to be good enough, that people are going to find out that I'm not as talented, and I'm not as capable, and I'm not ready, and I don't have what it takes. I'm worried that, that they're going to find out who I really am. And so the question that we, and you could go on and on, but the question is, what do we do when we realize there's a real category in our life, a person, a relationship, a thing, a concept, an emotion that we're not trusting God with? What do we do? How do we just do not worry? How do we do that? Because I hear Jesus, and I get it, but if you ever tried not to worry, you find out you worry more or it doesn't work for long. So it seems to be way too easy to just say, uh, okay, Jesus, don't worry. Birds are fine. I know you love me more than Tweety over there. So here's what we're supposed to do. Here's my finances. Here's my future. Here's my family. Here's everything. Go ahead, God. I don't know about you, but I can't do that very easy. And if you can, we're going to write a book and do videos and we'll make lots of money. But it's, it's, it's very, very hard. So what do we actually do when we find ourselves in this place? What's the solution? And Jesus gave us a great solution. And after all this list of things, Jesus kind of digs a little bit at them and at us. And he's, after saying, hey, don't worry about this stuff, he looks at them and, and at us and says, you of little faith. So he says, here's the issue. You've got a faith problem. Your faith is too small. And, he's, and I think he's not saying, yeah, you just got a little bit of faith. I think what he's saying is you're not allowing the situation to develop your faith to the fullness. Faith develops and grows. And then he says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? He says it again. He's, he says, hey, these things are important. They are important. And his, his point is not that you should care less. Because that's the, that's the worst part. Like you have people who are worried all the time and you have people who could care less. The people who could care less are equally as bad as the people who are worried because the people who could care less and don't do anything, they cause the people to worry even more. Correct? And some of you may have been in relationships with people like that and that was a living hell, right? And so, so what you do, you got to care about these things. Like, you know, you don't want to walk out like just, you know, 
how you woke up in the morning. You don't want to be like, eh, bills are coming. I, don't know, I could care less. I'm not going to work. You got, you got to do these things. You got to think about your future. You got to do those things. They're important, but we have to care. That's not Jesus' point here at all. But then he goes into this other thing. He's saying, you got to care about these things. Don't get obsessed by them. And then he says something very interesting. He says, for the pagans, not talking about the motorcycle people, right? The pagans run after these things. What does that mean? He's saying that when you run after something, anybody ever run? Anybody have to run after something? Anybody ever have to run after somebody? Why are you running after somebody? What? To catch them, right? To get them. Or, or like, you know, you see, like, when it comes time at the weddings when they throw that garter thing, and you see the people who are like, I ain't getting married, you know. And then you see the other people who are, like, ready for, like, uh, you know, a mosh pit or whatever and, like, a battle royal. They're running after the thing. Why? Because they want it. They're hoping, like, yeah, I'm getting married next, right? Correct? And, and so when you run after something, you, you're focused on getting it. And what Jesus is saying is all the list of these things, these six, seven, whatever things that we're saying, is there are so many people who their lives are so focused on those that they're running after. When you run after something, you're going to a goal. And he said, the pagans run after these things. Now, you say, what are the pagans? Pagans are people who don't believe in God. Now, hold that there, all right? They say there's no personal God, there's no God that knows your name. There's no God that answers prayer. There's no God who cares. And Jesus is really saying this, and this is hardcore, all right? This is hardcore teaching from Jesus. He says, look, if you're worried and stressed out over these important things, these critical things, and so bent on the shape of all things that you can't get to anything else, and you're so distracted, you're basically acting like people who believe there's no God. You're basically living your life as a practical atheist. You're saying, yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe, but it's irrelevant what you're saying because your action is showing you don't. Isn't that hard? Jesus is saying, your actions, you're saying, I worry, I worry. And he's saying, I told you, don't worry. The pagans worry. And you say, well, well how's that? Well, if we look, all of us to some extent, or live in a time that we can group with everybody with something we're worried about. Social media has made it real easy. You can find something, a group that is worried about the absolute same thing you are. Everybody can. There's always a group that you can huddle up with and say, so I, I could even do it in this room. If, if, if I wanted to divide it, I'd say, okay, everyone whose number one concern is your wayward son or daughter that you can't seem to get that right, everybody group over here. And a number of people will go over here. And then you say, everyone whose number one concern is politics and the election. You go way, way, way over there. <laughs> All right? Um, and then others can say, um, oh, if, uh, if my number one area is um, uh, what am I going to do with the landscaping when it gets nice outside in my house, you can go right here and then you can come to my house. All right? So, but, but I said, we can pick anything in those six or seven lists. And go ahead, and I guarantee you we would be able to group people into them. And, and what Jesus is saying, that you have those people, and there are people. We can all group up. We all have the same feelings, the same notions. But the key is this. Jesus says, look, as you come in contact with people, share your, the people that you share your story with, the people that you rub shoulders with, the people in life who have the same concerns and the same worries that you do, your response should be different than theirs. 
so different that they would be amazed. He's talking about salt and light, that we should be in the world but different. Others should be able to look at your life and say, wow, you don't seem worried about this. I mean, you seem to care. You seem pretty intelligent, like a responsible person, but you're not worried. You're not afraid. You're not staying awake at night. You're not freaked out. You're not like, what are we going to do? And you don't seem like out of control as my other friends and other people on these same issues. And Jesus says that this is your opportunity to shine brighter than ever before. Because what separates the pagans from the non-pagans is it makes a huge difference living your life as if you really believed and knew that your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Because isn't that what it says? It says, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them, knows that you need them. Because if God knows you need them, he's on it. May not be in your time. Anybody have kids who want something? Did you just stop at everything you're doing that second and say, oh, yes, let me do everything for you at that moment? Did anybody? Did anybody want to? How many of you really said, they're so annoying, I'm going to wait a little bit longer? <laughs> anybody? That's good parenting. Hallelujah, right? God wants us to go to him and tell him, and he says, I'm on it. I'm on it. I'll get it. I got you. I know you need it. I know you need it. My kids, you know, like we talk, we talk about like, you know, worrying about what you eat. And, you know, fortunately, we've been blessed by God and hard work and other kinds of things in life that my kids have never had to go, shall we share this morsel, Father? You know, no, nobody's ever said that. And I don't think they, for most of their lives, they never thought about where food's coming from. The only time they think about food is, when's dinner? Where's the, are we eating anything tonight? Where are we going to get? I don't see it. You know, I don't, anybody else with me? I've never had anybody concerned like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be able to, they've never been concerned about one bill that I've paid in my life. Okay? You know why? Because their dad and mom had it. And if we have it, how much more do you think your father in heaven has it? I mean, he's not in the bird business, Right? He's in the people business, and he loves you. And so Jesus is saying, you have this opportunity, that your opportunity is shine brighter than ever before. And in this section, Jesus kind of poked fun at us, and he says, you're not as smart as a bird. You don't have as much faith as a flower. You're as bad as the pagans. So what's the solution, Jesus? There's something that you can do about worry other than trying not to worry. And in Matthew chapter 6.33, he gets to this. And you're going to say, really? But first, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you as well. And if you're like me, you go, huh? Right? That sounds like a good church talk, right? What does it mean? What does it mean? It means when you, when you do this, what, whenever you're worried, whenever you're freaked out, whenever you're panicked, what do you do? You redirect your devotion. You redirect your devotion. The problem, why, why do we worry? We worry because we've been seeking the wrong things. Like we're, we're focused on the wrong things. What we've been devoted to is leading us to a valley of worry. What you've been seeking first is where we are emotionally. 
We've been devoted to the wrong thing, and where you are and where I am is a result of being devoted to or seeking the wrong thing. The solution is a transfer of devotion. Okay, everybody with me? It's a transfer of devotion here. We seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and his presence and his goodness, and then everything else is added to you as well. That's nice, and that's a good church phrase. What does it mean for me, Jack? So the question I want to ask, what I ask myself in preparing this is, is God really first in my life? And what does that mean? Because preachers were really good about saying, is God first in your life? God needs to be first in your life. He needs to be first in your life. What does that mean? You ever ask that question? I'm going to give you the answer to that. It's, it's like, is he the first of your day? Like when you wake up in the morning, does your mind drift to all the things you have to do and all the concerns and you got to get everybody ready and got to get out? Is, is it right there or is it, God, I know today's going to be a, a bunch of stuff, but I know you're with me and I'm going to focus on you and whatever happens this day, hey, I'm, I'm going to trust you. That's putting God first. Or does your mind drift to the things of God, like I said? And when you think about all those other six areas, do you put God up front? Do you put God up front in, in your fitness? And, and you put God up front with your family and, and your future? Like, do you, ever, do you ever just sit there and say, you know what, God, um, I, I, here's what I want to do, but I want you to lead the way. I want my future to be your plan for my life. And we're going to work it out. I'm going to head this direction. If you slam a door, God, I know you're going to leave another door or another window open. I know it's going to happen. In my finances, God, hey, you know, I, I'm struggling. Here I am, but I'm going to seek you first in that. Whatever it may be, whatever it may be, what does it do? When your mind drifts, does it go to the worst possible case scenario? Oh no, my child is late. They're probably dead on the side of the road. Or my child is late. They're probably just late again. Or, my, or, or does your mind drift to the goodness of God? God, I know, you know I'm, I'm starting to get worried because my child's late. But God, I'm just going to trust them in your hands. And, and I'm going to trust your plan. I'm going to seek your kingdom and your righteousness. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to just trust you in that. Do we put God first in our relationships. Seek him first, seek him first, seek him first. Some of you have come to a realization like, you, like I have in several times in my worry-filled times of life. The reason, and maybe the reason why I'm so burdened and worried at times is because I'm not putting God first in that area. Whatever comes my way, whatever, I could take every single one of those areas and I can guarantee you, yes, work, yes, everything else, but the only reason why I have any of those is because of the grace and goodness of God. Only reason. Only reason. And everything that I worry about can be gone like that in a second. The only thing that lasts forever is him and my relationship with him. So I need to focus on that more so and put him first. So remember, what we worry about the most often reveals where we trust God the least. And that's why I wanted you to be able to name it. And the good news is there's an incredible opportunity for you to put your cares in the hands of of the creator of the world. God, he said, cast your cares on me. Cast your anxiety on me. Cast your worries on me because I care for you. And the thing is, the solution is not a set of rules. It's just redirecting our devotion. And one of the best examples of that is from something called the Lord's Prayer. If you're from a, a, main, uh, a, a Methodist denomination or uh, a Catholic you know the Lord's Prayer really well, right? You, you said it a million times. But one of the things in there is it says, thy kingdom come. What's the last part? Thy will be done. 
your kingdom come, your will be done. So when we seek God first, we're saying we want your kingdom to come here on earth. And whatever happens, we want your will to be done. So everything I worry about, everything I'm concerned about, okay, it's there, but I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my life and on the earth and whatever happens. So what's going to happen about what you're worried about? Whatever it is on your mind, what's going to happen to it? There are three things that happen when we worry, okay? And one of these things is going to happen every time we worry. Number one, it may never happen. What you're worried about may never happen. And they did a study at Penn State, and they asked um, people to document for 30 days how many fears or worries that they had and that what they were worried about and how many of those for the next 30 days actually came to pass, actually happened. And according to the research, 91% of the things they worried about did not even happen. That is nine out of every 10 things that they worried about didn't happen. So if you worry this week, I ask you to tally it down. Put it down. Write it down. Speak it into Siri. Say, Siri, I'm worried about everything. All right? Put it in there and then track and see if it actually happens. Because if your mind goes to the worst case scenario, I'm going to tell you it's not going to happen. So that's one of the things. And it's, it's funny that 10% of what you worry about will happen, but if you worry, 100% of your peace is destroyed all the time. Okay? Most of what you worry about is not going to happen, whatever it is but it will rob you of your peace. And a lot of times it robs you of the awareness of God 100% of the time. Number two, it may happen, but it won't be as bad as you thought. Okay? Anybody ever worry about something so much and then it happened, you're like, mm, okay. And what happens in that point? It's very common. You think it's going to be horrible, and when it happens, you say, I worried for weeks and it wasn't that bad. You didn't do great on the presentation, and Nobody actually really cared. You still have a job. Or you, you asked her out on a date, and she said no, and you didn't bleed out right there with a no. You went and waited and then asked somebody else out, and they said no, and you still didn't bleed out. But eventually, somebody's going to say yes. Eventually, all right? Um, but you have a big meeting or a court date or an appointment, and guess what? You're so concerned about it, and it happens, and then you go, hmm. And you, you, or you said something totally stupid. Anybody ever said something totally stupid? I'm the king of saying stuff stupid. Um, and everyone laughed at you. And a few people actually liked you more because you made yourself human and they thought you were a robot, right? Or uh, many of us do this. After worrying for weeks and weeks and, and it's not as bad as what we thought happens, we move on to the next topic to worry about. And we worry more. We worry more. So, so what we have, it may never happen. It may happen, and it may not be as bad. Or it may happen, and the promise is that God will carry you through it. It may actually happen. Or it may be worse than you thought. But when it's, the, when it's worse than you thought, and you can't do anything about it anyway, you may get to experience the goodness and the presence and the provision and the peace and the strength of God Almighty that you never would have felt before. I've heard from many people that, that, that this series has been hitting home with many people, and I'm thrilled to hear that and how touching it is many people, even, even myself in this. But one of the things is it breaks my heart because it's hitting home so much because it tells me that so many people are struggling in these areas, and many people are hurting. And what I've found is in my life, we often get to know God best when we need him most. And there may be some of you right now that you're carrying a burden that just seems too great to bear. 
You may, you may have, it may have been an opportunity it, to take that relationship and that care and that situation, that fear, that um, dread and that worry, and take it to God. And know that he cares about you more than birds. And know that he's with you. And know that he's always good and he always understands. And, and you may be worried about so many things. And it may never happen. And it may happen, but not as bad. And it may be 10 times worse than you thought. And you didn't think you could handle it. But I'm going to tell you from Psalm 23, it tells us the answer once again. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That doesn't mean like, oh, you're my shepherd. I don't want you. It means I don't have anything that I need. He's got me all taken care of. He makes me lie down. Some of you need to just stop and lay down. And he, he, he leads me beside still waters. Why still waters? Because sheep are dumb. And, it, and they, it's quiet, still waters, because if it's rushing water, they'll go to get a drink and they'll get sucked in. And if you've ever worn a wool suit and jumped in the water, not a good thing. So he leads you beside still waters. Even though the waters may be, may be you know, the waves may be crashing around you, he's got it. And he's going to lead you to the still waters. He, he restores your soul. Many of us have worried so much that our souls are so damaged that we just need a restoration in our soul. We need a hope again that we never had before. He's going to lead me in, in, in the good paths, the paths of righteousness, for his name's sake, because I'm seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, and I want my future to be his. And look at this verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or it's also translated as the darkest valley. I would say many of us have walked through dark, dark valleys in our lives. And in the midst of those darkest valleys of our lives, many of us thought we were alone. Many of us worried. You, you know, I'm one of those people, you ever been someplace where it's really dark and you got to walk from one, one place to another, or you got to go down like an alley? I've seen way too many TV shows to go down a dark alley, you know what I mean? And I know Spider-Man and Batman ain't popping out. You get me? Um, so I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, you're walking and you're like, you're looking, you're, you're concerned. There's concern, but if I'm, like, if I'm worried and I'm paralyzed in life, many of us get so paralyzed in our lives because of the dark valleys that we've experienced. But we forgot that he is with me because guess what? I'm going to walk through the valley. That says, even though, everybody say even though. You know what that means? That means you and me and everybody alive are going to walk through a dark valley. You're going to walk through a time in your life. You may be on cloud nine right now, but get ready. There's going to be a time where it's going to be the darkest time in your life. It's going to be the roughest time in your life. You aren't going to know what hits you. You aren't going to be able to hold on. All those things that you worried about, some of them will go by the wayside because it'll be replaced by this darkest valley. And you will feel all these things that we've talked about. And you'll be there. And if you focus on the darkness and you focus on the valley and you focus on the feelings, you will die there. And that's why he needs to restore your soul. But guess what? He says, even though you walk, I walk through that, even though we walk through that, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be concerned. Why? Because my shepherd, my father, who knows I need these things, is with me. And that's the key we need to learn is that regardless of what it feels like, regardless of what it looks like, as a child of God, you are loved more than birds. And he's with you. And he's with you. And he's with you. And he's with you. He's with you. He's with you. And when you make that transfer of devotion from, here's what starts to happen to your worry. Sometimes you get through the worry through more brokenness. When, when I've seen people where everything in their life is taken away, life is so shattered, so unpredictable, and they have no other option to say, God, I surrender everything to you. And so often in the valley, suddenly I have a peace 
that I never knew anything happened, that peace that passes all understanding. Jesus says, look, I know you're freaked out. I know you're worried. I know you're wondering where the next meal's coming from. I know you're worried about what you're going to wear. I know what you're worried about what your kids and what they're going to wear. I know you're worried about what you eat and sleep. Stop worrying. And don't do it by trying to stop worrying. Do it by just exchanging your devotion and know I got it. I learned, like when I, when I was a little kid, I never worried about, when they said, hey, we're going to my mom's house. We got in the car, I got in the back of that big old green bomb station, Mercury station wagon, which had the reverse seat, and I played some awesome Star Wars back in that seat, all right? And, and I never worried one bit that I was going to my grandmother's house. You know why? Because my dad said I was going, and he was driving. And I trusted him. I didn't have to think. You know when I stopped trusting my dad? When I got my license and knew how to drive better. Anybody, when your kids were in your car forever, they never said anything till they started driving, and they know better than you, right? Um, and the problem is, many of us have had more responsibility of driving, and we've taken the wheel of our lives, and we think God can't get us to where we need to be. He always has, and he always will get us to where we need to be by becoming devoted to his kingdom. And some of you may say, that scares me to death. Well, Jack, if, if I offer it all to God, if I offer my life, what if God takes it all? Well, what's happening right now? Maybe you're so worried because you can't control anything. Guess what? You can't control it in the first place. So why not put it in the hands of somebody who can control it? You may say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, well, I got a good job. And, and you, know, I, you, but you I say, you don't know what tomorrow is. You go, yep, I got a Google calendar with everything. It syncs everywhere. I got four planners. I got people, three people do my schedule. I know what's happening tomorrow. And guess what? You may not even make it to work tomorrow. We have no certainty about tomorrow. So why worry about it? And wrapping this up today, I read an article. I was reading, one of the things I was reading was an article about stress and anxiety. And this one section was about meditation. And at the end, the writer told a story about a friend who had a, a dark, dark valley who lost a seven-year-old daughter to an automobile accident. And so he began drinking. He lost his job, and he eventually went into a treatment center based on um, AA. And the writer went and visited a few days before he was coming out, and his friend was so worried and so scared about re-entering life. He said, I got to look for a job, and I got to explain myself to others about what happened. And he said the only thing that helped him cope with the worry was the AA slogan, one day at a time. He recognized that he couldn't change his past. He couldn't bring her back. He couldn't change the drinking and everything else and the loss of the job. He couldn't even control his future. And the thought of, of thinking about the past so much or the future paralyzed him with fear and worry. And he said, I realize that I'm always fine in the now moment. That he would have to trust each now moment. We need to trust each now moment, leave the future to the Lord. Like the, if the Lord forgave you for your past, then you need to do so as well. And whatever you're going through today, Jesus says, trust me. Don't worry. Don't freak out. Don't worry what's going to happen to all that other stuff. Trust me. And what, you do in a very, what do we do in a very complicated world with real burdens, real weight, real significant issues, real pain and real trauma? We seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else is added to us as well. You press into Jesus. You love him. You cry out more. You hurt with him. 
You might yell at times, and you take him at his word, take him at his word, and let his spirit heal you, let it minister to you, and you put him first in everything that you do, and everything else is added. And what you fear the most often reveals where you trust God the least. And guess what? Today is a day, an opportunity for you to take that burden, that care, that person, and say, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to seek you first. And no matter what I face, I know you're going to be with me. I'm going to take you at your word. You're going to be with me because I know that you're carrying me. I know that you'll strengthen me. I know that you'll comfort me. Why? Because you love me a lot better than those feathered friends out there. And they ain't worrying. So I got I to stop. And I don't do it by trying to stop. I do it by what? Seeking his kingdom first. Amen? Amen. All right, everybody. Let's stand and let's just let's worship God in song one more time today as a as a church. At this time, we're also going to receive um, God's tithes and our offerings. And again, I, I thank you for those of you who were able to see the, um, the contributions that all of you make to, to just God's ministry and and how awesome the Lord is, and just in, through people. I, I said we have the shirts that um, love God, love people, and, and I, I've been a pastor for um, 28 years almost, something like that. I was five when I started. Um, and um, and I've, I mean, Wes and I've talked about it. I've never seen a church that has a heart for people so much. And um, I always le- I learned many years ago that we show um, our love for God by the way we, we treat people. And there's a lot of people in this world who know the love of God because of you. And that's amazing, and I thank you for that. Um, if you're visiting with us today, we don't want you to give. We don't expect that. We want you to receive what God has for you. And that's, uh, that's something that we just, we just know that God brought you here for a reason, and that's to connect to him and others. And so we just hope that you'll hear what God has for you. And if you want to pray with somebody, we have people around the church at the front and the back who will be willing to pray with you. And that's, that's awesome. We're here together. We're here together in, in this place. And, um, and then uh, for the rest of us, um, as, you, as you contemplate what God's saying to you, if, if I said, what are you worried about? Remember that's how I started? Anybody worried? What are you worried about? Um, put that in comparison to a, to a creator and an almighty loving God. And recognize that your worry ain't going to change a bit. What happens? Concern. But put it in the hands of the Lord. Let him take care. So let's pray. God, I come, we come to you today just, just thanking for, for loving us so much um, and for providing for us in every step of the way. And so, Lord, um, we, we're not going to minimize the concerns that we have because they're, they're mighty and they're great. And, and some of the things that we are, we've been worried about are not to be minimized at all. All those six things that we went over, gosh, they're, they're, they're big and we need them. But I love that Jesus didn't just end it and say the pagans run after the thing. He said, your, your heavenly father knows you need them. So it's just like saying, daddy's got it. Just, he's got it. Just keep, just keep sitting in the back of the station wagon to heaven. And he's got the, he's driving. He's going to get you there. He's going to take care of you. So God, right now, for something, I, I just believe that some people have had a, a worry 
that has been on their heart that has gone into anxiety and maybe in depression and other kinds of things that just grabbed hold of their lives. I ask that God right now that, that they just change their devotion. They start to say, okay, God, okay, I'm going to focus on you. That Yeah, I know it's bad, but I'm going to give it to you. And you're, I'm going to seek your kingdom first. And then your will is going to be done in my life. So God, just um, hear us now. Um, we know that you're going to anoint and bless the, the offering um, to just meet the needs, not here as much as all around the world, God, that you have something amazingly planned for your, your children around the world. And that I, we don't see it, but we know that you're at work. In many ways, we don't see it. In many ways, we don't feel it, but we know that you are working and you are moving and the church is, is coming to know you in many different ways and people all around the world. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, everyone, I hope you have an awesome week, worry-free, and, um, and it'll be good because next week we're going to talk about thinking negative. Have a great week. God bless.